Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I am Bradley. And I popped out last night to put the bins out. And as I went out there, there was Stu. And he was with all our listeners. And he was having a bit of a party. I thought it was a work do. I thought it was a work do. And I was like, Stu, what's going on? And he went, what? You know, he's getting everyone together for work. I went, we can't do that, Stu. And he went, ah, it don't matter. We'll just lie to the public later. Uh, and I said, but Stu, you're out here with all the listeners. And he went, yeah, but we're still well under the six people quota. How you doing, Stu? Yeah, I was going to make that observation myself, but yeah, not too bad, Tar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's great to see. It's. I mean, we're in the stage now where whenever we see something nasty or horrible happening to the Tory government, it's so rare, it's just a cause for celebration. So that's actually lifting my spirits a little bit. Yeah. I'd see just the headline just said liar on one of the papers today. It's like, you've lost, you've got, you, you, it's untenable. I think the end is in sight at some point. Yeah, thank God. Yes. Um, unfortunately, you know, Pier, uh, Piers Corbyn, not Piers Corbyn, that'd be even uh, terrible. What's <laughs> his name? Keir Starmer. Um, to- yeah, Keir Starmer, Tory in disguise, unfortunately. Yeah. But we're not going down that route because what we're talking about today is video games and mental health, but video games to start with. So I've got three that I've been playing. So I, I'm just going to jump straight in and go with my first one. So first up, we have Horatio Goes Snowboarding. I've got to get that right because I, I keep saying, I want to say skiing because of Horace Goes <laughs> yeah. Skiing, which of this is kind of an homage to. I, and the reason I'm talking about this is it came out on the Switch fairly recently towards the back end of 2021. And... Really, I just it's such a really good time killer. I, I've not spent ages on it in terms of like, I've not sat down and hammered it for hours and hours, but it's the perfect, I've got five, ten minutes game, let me chuck it on, which all of Mike Dawes games are. Uh, Don't Die Mr. Robot is perfect for that. Um, Flying Aces, also perfect for that. And Horatio Goes Snowboarding is, oh, it's just the epitome of it. It just works so, so well. Indeed, and it's a uh, one of those coffee games that we've talked about, isn't it? That it doesn't have to have a great deal of depth because the core bit of gameplay is great for a little loop when you're sitting down. And yeah, it's yeah. absolutely perfect for the Switch. And ironically, I played it on PC. So when yeah, when you get it all fired up, you get the computer get it going, and you get your controller connected, and you're getting ready for a game, and you open Steam up. And it's like, I could play that game, or I've got 45 minutes, I can play a a larger game. And, you know, that's not ideal for that kind of of game. So I may, may double dip on that one and buy it again on Switch. Okay, yeah, it's, without being too cliche, it's the whole, it's perfect for Switch. Because it is just, you pick up your Switch, you go, ah, there it is. This is where I wish the Switch had pins or favourites that you could just go, look, these are the five games, just stick them to the front of the screen at all times, and I could just go straight into them rather than having played a few bits and then you kind of forget about some games because this is one I just go, oh, yeah, that'll do when you pick up a Switch. But you're right, with a PC, you kind of go on there, you go, oh, I could play this, so I've got about another 2,000 games I could play on Steam that I haven't played yet. Yeah. Uh, but on, yeah, but on the Switch, it's it's perfect, absolutely perfect. Um, and I tell you what, 
Uh, just, just to shout out uh, Mike Dorr and the guys as well. Um, it, obviously, Infinite State Games. I don't want to just just be at Mike and make it sound like it's all him. But, you know, Horatio Ghost, Snowboarding, Rogue Aces. I said Fly Lazy. I didn't mean Fly Lazies. And Don't Die, Mr. Robot are all absolute bangers. Yeah, absolutely. And what I thought was really impressed by with that with this game is that it looks gorgeous as well it's really lovely looking the style they've gone for uh you know is just excellent and uh, as we've said loads of times we're not like graphics obsessives on on this podcast by any stretch of the imagination and we rarely even talk about them you know comparatively speaking but with this kind of a game where it's got that like quick little loop and oh you know I'll, I'll just see if I can beat this score kind of energy to it having a really appealing visual style is is so important and that he totally nailed it you know he really has and yeah. can't wait to see what he does next and he does follow the podcast so shout out to mike and uh yeah but also with this as well i mean the the best way i could describe it to anyone who's a bit on the fence it's if you're aware of pac-man championship edition especially the dx version of it Imagine this as almost Horace Ghost Skiing Championship Edition. Yeah. It's, it, that's the upgrade it is. It, it's brought what is a classic game that had its limitations because of hardware. Oh, God, look, if we made this, if this game was made today, this is what it would be. And again, like with Don't Die, Mr. Robot, especially, the the loop and the score attack part of it is just a sublime yeah, it really is great, and I know that there are quite a lot of games like that, but I, I think the test of them is is time, and I don't mean a long period of time, I mean just like six months, when, you know, you've, you've seen everything that it has, and yet you still want to go back to it. Yeah. And it's harder to do it, I think, in stuff like, you know, it's, a, it's an action game, you know, it's not a violent action game, it's a fun action game, it's a sporty action game, but it's not a puzzle game, and... It's 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 easier if you get the kind of secret source right with puzzle games to to get people to come back and back and back, but it's harder I think with with you know action based games and uh, yeah no it, I think it's nailed it and it's a real kind of sort of crypto classic I think I think it's gonna stay around for a long time and hopefully on the Switch it's gonna hit a really big audience. Yeah, not enough people are playing it, so more people need to play this. It's on the Switch. Buy it play it don't even wait for a sale just just get it it's it's and again this is we're not shilling for mike he's not asked for any of this at all it's just so damn good though it really really is and i did i i criticized it on the steam release initially because i couldn't play it because of my vision issues so i i am saying sort of like again still i think it needs some um accessibility options sorted but i've had a few good days with my eyes over the past couple of weeks which meant i was able to play a couple of games like this and i'm glad i did but just uh, as a bit of clarification it does need some accessibility options still yeah no fair enough um so next up what have you got Stu? so yeah i will mention one that is quite unusual for me not unknown but it, as I mentioned a few podcasts ago, I don't touch RPGs often. And when I do, I tend to get kind of obsessed. And that's happened at the moment, really, with Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin, which is a Switch game and dedicated to Switch. It's an exclusive. 
like Shin Megami Tensei Five, I think that's exclusive. I'd probably put my foot in my mouth now. Yeah, no, I think it is. I think you're right. All right, cool. And yeah, it's kind of like it's one of those where I think it should have just been called Monster Hunters. You know, stories RPG, so that people had absolutely no, you know, there was absolute total clarity that it was an RPG. Because I guess quite a few people are like me in that they played Monster Hunter, and they were like, "Yeah, it's I love everything about the looks. It's got a classic Capcom sort of style. The designs are absolutely fantastic. It's just the core gameplay. I just." couldn't click with and I think a lot of people probably feel like that and it's you know quite polarizing bit marmite you know for British listeners and this is not this is a more classical RPG with a, a bit of a twist in that it still it frames and structures itself a lot like Rise in that you know you go around the landscape and then you have to compete with monsters and you have to find out what their weak spots are to to you know, to defeat them and stuff like that. And it does it with a real kind of a verve and energy. It's got, it's it's ripped off Breath of the Wild's visuals. It's not as nice looking as that, but almost. <laughs> and it looks fantastic. And it's, you know, a lot of exploration, a lot of tasks. It's It does that thing that RPGs so rarely do and that really, you know, needs to be sort of celebrated when it works. And that's that... It has a very, very small layer of story to get you into it, but it has really, really good combat and, you know, accessories, magic. It doesn't have magic in the game, but, you know, the the magic type system that it has. So it's just like, you're in this Monster Hunter world, some of the monsters have started going bananas, find out why. And that's it. And the the layer of that is great because, you know, it it just, it's enough backbone and structure to get you into that world, but, and enough to develop on, you know, bring in lots of characters and, you know, have some fun with it. But without it being a kind of like, watch a 45 minute intro cutscene that explains why this blonde, white, blue eyed little lad has got to go and save the world. So it breaks away from cliche like that, and that it doesn't use magic, it uses like abilities and things like you can add genomes to your dinosaurs, monsters, dinosaurs, whatever they are, so that they change their abilities and you can breed them and you can improve them and they grow up, you know, they age and they mature and all of that has that kind of, it feels a little bit like, you know, the chocobos in, in Final Fantasy VII in that way a little bit. So it's got some tropes from RPGs of the past but not many uh, it's not completely new, it's fairly standard but it looks lovely and it's got a great combat system, it's got a thin layer of of plot but one that's quite robust and yeah, it really, really clicked with me Yeah, I'm not going to say much um, and I, I'm not going to lie, I kind of made sure I phased out a little bit on that because it's one I want to play and I want to go in completely fresh uh, so I think sort of like, uh, yeah, it's an RPG, that bit I was aware of, but I, it's, I, I like the Monster Hunter games, I don't give them enough attention um, or over other stuff, but it's um, the Monster Hunter stories games are ones I want to go into completely fresh, but it does, it looks right up my street, I just hearing the tone of what you've been saying with it, it's, it sounds like it hits all the right marks. Yeah, no, it won't, and it won't be for everybody. I think that, like, for example, if, you, if you're really into Monster Hunter, 
it might be difficult to divorce yourself from how that plays and then play it as an RPG. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's like when I was talking, uh, I very deliberately mentioned that I was going to be talking about this in a subtle way when we were talking about the Sega games, about Panzer Dragoon. And it's similar to that in that it's yes. taken one style of game and used that world for the people who, who weren't into it in a different style of game, and they can be into that. And I think, you know, there'll be a crossover where some people like both, but I, I suspect that some people, most people, <laughs> will only like one or the other. But hopefully for you, it will, it will you know, have that crossover appeal. Yeah, no, I, I mean, when I look back at other games that have done that whole let's try something different with the IP, so you look at what Yakuza have done, um, especially with, like, Yakuza 7, which is, like, go, goes turn-based. You know, I love that. Um, what Persona, the Persona games, I was going to say just Persona 5, but a few of them have done it. Uh, Persona 4, where it had, a, like, a, a 2D fighting game as part of it in that same world. You've got um, a Musu-style game for, you know, Persona 5 Strikers. They've had a dancing game. So, again, I love the idea of taking an IP like that and just going a bit off the wall with it or doing something... Like, maybe not off the wall in the case of Monster Hunter. You know, I don't want to see, like, Monster Hunter karting or anything like that. But just doing something that's not in your... Like, just, like, here's what the game was and we're sticking religiously to that. Uh, because, okay, you look at the likes of Assassin's Creed. Oh, you know, I won't buy one ever again anyway. But the only time that broke away and was any good after the first couple for me was when they went to the 2D versions because it was different. Otherwise, you just get stuck into that loop of here's the same game again. And no one wants that. So I'm glad that Capcom are trying something different with this. It's something that doesn't happen very, very often. No. And... I think it happens more with Japanese developers, and they should be applauded for that. Uh, obviously, the most recent... I, I'm going to completely contradict myself immediately because Shovel Knight is one of, one of the ones that you and I have really loved and championed, and that does that exactly. It takes one genre and makes another out of it. But no, generally, it doesn't yeah. happen. Even the Treasure Trove, that even the, the, even the like the different um, DLC packs in the Treasure Trove changed the game up yeah. completely. Yeah, yeah, precisely. It, it's a lot of confidence, and... You know they've they've got a lot of yeah like I say confidence in their in their style and that their audience will go with them and it's brave and and I like it. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to get onto that, aren't I? At some point this year, if you can if you can afford it, because gee whiz, it's expensive. So I got a second hand copy off eBay, and it was thirty two quid uh, second hand, and I think. You know, buy it first hand, it's 50 quid. I think digitally, it's 50 quid. It's it's really expensive. It's one of those and one of those typical Switch ones that doesn't drop in price, but this time it's not a, a Nintendo first-party game. So, yeah, uh, it's yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> there, there's, there's hope. I've got it on my alert list anyway already, so I've been waiting for it to drop. I'll, I'll wait for it to go like, to that 30-ish pound mark on the eShop, hopefully, at some point. Yeah, uh, Rise does. Rise gets quite a lot of drops, so who knows? It might, it might happen soon. Fingers crossed. Yes, not too soon though, because I've got no money at the moment. Yeah, I know how you feel. Um, let's go for give it to about August. Do a drop about August September. That'd be fine. I know. I don't know why I'm telling you to do that. <laughs> if I could, August, I September would. drop would be perfect. Yeah, because it's it's around my birthday, so I could. It's easier to go. I'll oh, get me that. Yeah. Oh, I'll get that for my birthday. <laughs> uh, so completely away from the likes of, of Monster Hunter, I got into playing Chicory, A Colourful Tale. Cool. And I don't know why this passed me by. This came out initially in June 
on Steam. And I, I, towards the end of the year, it got a Switch release. It's one I've had on my wish list for a long time. It's hit sales. I don't know why I've not bought it. Um, I think it's because maybe, again, it's like... It, it's a colourful game, but it's quite bright, which was an issue with my is an issue with my vision. But actually, isn't that bad? The white and the dark before you start colouring things in works absolutely fine, and it's not too overbearing. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. What you've got here with Chicory, a colourful towel, is a adventure game. It's suppose it's almost like that. It's it's that almost Zelda aspect to it that that the way it's looking down on it so it's top down but it's not top down top down it's that kind of like angled but not isometric yeah. thing um, i'm sure that's got a name but you know i, I have no care. idea what and, that name would be <laughs> um zelda like there you go and basically you're playing in a coloring book do you know it's not even like a, do you know those like watercolor books you used to get this kind of got that that watercolor paper texture to it Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've I've seen this game lots, and it's I think yeah. it's on uh, Game Pass, is it? Oh right, okay. I'm not sure. I, see, I don't. <laughs> this should never have passed me by. This is right up. But yeah. anyway, it's basically a Zelda-esque adventure game where you use a paintbrush to colour in the world as you go to solve different puzzles and uh, explore, and it's lovely. And then you get to do your own drawings. Which is hilarious. Like he asks you, I think there's one where it asks you to like recreate some like classic pictures. You have to draw them yourself, and they get hung up in a gallery and stuff. And it's it's yeah, it's it, it's really good. But it's just like the satisfaction of colouring in the page. It, you know, it's just it scratches so many itches. Um, the character designs are lovely. It's got a, a, an absolutely wonderful message to it. It's about making friends and, and, and things like that. And it's just so warm. It's like why this should clearly be one of the games of the year. And for me, it, it, it's like if I had played this properly last year, it would have been right up there. Um, you know, we might even have been pushing Tetris further down my game of the year list. It's that good. And I didn't realise who it was by. And it was only when I then looked up a bit of research for this that I realised it was from the team behind Celeste. And, and Wonderswan, as, uh, Wonderswan? Wonderswan, sorry, as well. And it's like, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Right. It's beautiful. The music's wonderful. I just I can't say enough about it. You know, it's got co-op. I've not played it in co-op yet. Uh, but it's just absolutely close to perfection in the way it plays. And I, I'm probably preaching to the choir with a lot of people, but if you've not played this, don't be like me. Don't miss out. Get on it straight away. If it's on Game Pass, get it on there. If you've not got an Xbox or Game Pass, just get it on Steam. Get it on the Switch. Get it on whatever platform you can because it deserves to be played by everyone. Yeah, no, I just checked. It's definitely not on there now, which uh, I don't know why I thought it was on there, but maybe it was in the past. Anyway, yeah, no, I definitely wanted to play it last year and, and see whether it was going to hit my top 10. I just totally ran out of time. And, it, you know, I, I did at one point even look on howlongtobeat.com, which... I use all the time for seeing how long games are because it's a really big factor in my decision making. It won't be for yeah. everybody, and it's much less of a problem on Switch. But if it's if I'm going to be buying it on Steam, I very often look how long it was. And it was, you know, 
I was really surprised to see it was like a full length game, like eight to ten hours sort of thing. And I was like, yeah, no, I've not got room in my schedule for that at the moment. But that really upset me because I really wanted to play it and see if it was going to get there. And you're, you're right, the way that it looks is fantastic. It, there aren't very many games, even at the moment, where you have a, a black and white, you know, a, a monochrome look where you fill it in with colour. And you know, they do it in a really clever way and build a really good game around it. And it seems like they did it with this one. So it's still really high on my radar and I'm definitely going to get to it soon. And this is what I wanted Epic Mickey to be. Yeah. When I imagined Epic Mickey in my head, when they very first announced that, and they had like, oh, you paint the world and you bring colour back to a, a dull, you know, a dull world and stuff like that. This is what I wanted. And this game, if, you know, if you... Not now because he's an evil overlord, but if you'd have swapped out um, the main character from Chicory for Mickey Mouse and put a bunch of Disney characters in there or whatever, that's what Epic Mickey should have been and what it sort of does as well. And the only other game that comes close to me to this, but it's not as enjoyable, it's a bit more frustrating, was The Blob, which again was a colouring in and, and things like that, but it was yeah. a, more of a... a 3D adventure where oh there's evil monsters and you've got to, this is how you stop the evil monsters so it was, a, it was its own thing but it used the colour mechanic really well but oh, this is just top of the class it really really is this is a this is a Sistine Chapel of a game nice yeah that's definitely on the list it's on Steam it's like 15.49 and they can use that quote <laughs> yeah yeah, it's fifteen forty nine on Steam at the moment, and I'm not sure on Switch, but yeah, definitely gonna have to pick it up soon. Oh, it's worth it's worth yeah, and it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it at that price. Because again, I suppose you mentioned you know it's a full you know it's a, a good number of hours in there. I I thought this was gonna be something fairly short. And people, some people go, oh, what T- like ten hours or whatever. That's that's that is short. It's not for me. I, I was expecting this was going to be like just a quick three, four hour game, maybe. So I'm actually really, I'm about, I would say I'm not even all the way through it yet. I've been taking my sweet time with it since I started playing it at the start of this year. And um, I, I don't want it to end so far. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm making it take its time because I know it's 10 hours yeah. on there or thereabouts. So I'm forcing myself to take my time with it because I just want to appreciate it. For what it is yeah i very often do that you know i just <laughs> t- take things slow when and just really savor it when i know that the end is is nigh because some game worlds you just don't want to leave and definitely don't want to leave them prematurely so yeah yeah but uh, the, the dlc just give me a coloring book the painting mechanics in this are so good just give me a coloring book dlc i'd happily take that <laughs> that's a great idea yeah and then i could sell my coloring book colorings in as nfts no? Oh, no, don't bring that up. <laughs> no. Indie games are the saviours. Please don't go NFTs on indie games. Um, yeah. Oh, God, that, what was it? Uh, Square Enix, Square Enix, they came yes. out with the support of it. And everyone Apparently was like, some people just want to play games to have fun. That's not what we want. I know, I know. It made you want to puke. It was hilarious. <laughs> At least Sega turned around and said, oh, we are going to do, um, we do want to do NFTs, but if you decide that that's not the right thing to do, we won't do them. Don't do them. If you're having to ask yeah. that question, don't do them. I know. Shall I stick my hand in this fire? You know, there's that kind of question. I mean, the answer to that's yes, of course, you should. Well, obviously. Because that's fun. NFTs are not fun. There you go. That's 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 a that's a NFTs are not like sticking your hand in a fire, because sticking your hand in a fire is fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. Maybe not the message to send out to the kids, but yeah. Fair play. Yeah, Charlie says and all that. Yeah. (laughs) That makes us sound... There's only a subset of people that are going to understand that reference. (laughs) Yeah, ancient people, of course. Oh, no, it came out... They brought out... uh, 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 Luckily... This is where we have edits and where we do the YouTube stuff. By the way, a lot of these reviews are going to go on YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, reviews, discussions, whatever you want to call them. They're not reviews. I don't do reviews. But they're going to be cut out. But uh, yeah, Charlie Says, they actually brought out, there was a DVD came out um, in the early 2000s, I want to say, maybe mid-2000s, that was just absolutely full. It was called Charlie Says, the DVD. It was absolutely full of old like British 60s to 80s and 90s infomercials right right absolutely brilliant and it's sort of like do you know the one where sort of like it was like a big serious thing it was like all really dark and moody and it's like the people drowning at like a, a pool or whatever it was and it had the Grim Reaper stood dead it was all really dark and stuff like that on it the Green Cross Code Man and all, all things like that and all the Charlie Says ones ridiculous that they put that out on DVD but it was brilliant I don't know, it's pretty cool. Dark Water is the one that you, you're talking about. With the, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, nah, cool, yeah. But, I mean, even that means it's millennials who are not young anymore. So, yeah, we're still old, mate. Sorry. Yeah, yeah I know we're old. I, I've come to terms with that. <laughs> yeah, me um, too. Although, technically, technically, I'm still two years younger than I am now because I still refuse to accept that the year of 2020 is over and we're still only in sort of like revision B. We are, 2020. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like near replicant with all those numbers after it. That's what it will end yeah. up with. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm 38.1 VB. There you go. <laughs> right, what's next? So I've been doing some experimentation, which is not, you know, unsurprising for me when it comes to fiddling around with consoles. And I saw, I was like, I saw that there was some stuff that I still wanted to pick up on PS4. And I was like, I'm going to have a look into, you know, jailbreaking the PS4 because I like fiddling around with this stuff. And it's old enough and, you know, the games are cheap enough for me to start picking up stuff secondhand. So I've kind of bought a couple of really cheap games on eBay that I'll talk about on the coming weeks. But the first one that I've been playing is Uncharted Lost Legacy. Now... I kind of never really bothered with the Uncharted series very much because it mostly didn't click. But I heard such good things about this one. I was like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna have a look at it, you know, and see what, it, what they've pilfered from the new Tomb Ra- Raider reboots at the same time as, you know, Tomb Raider was pilfering from them. And the answer is quite a lot. <laughs> so I was quite impressed with that. And I got it for like a fiver on eBay, really dirt cheap. And Jail broke my... PS4 and ripped it to the hard drive so it runs entirely off that and I only mention that for anyone in the audience who's even vaguely interested in in that side of things you know and I know that we're gonna have a full debate on piracy and you know in, in inverted commas and all that sort of stuff yeah IP stuff in the future but yeah no I just it was interesting and I like fiddling with technology like that so it runs off my SSD and as a game it's it's surprisingly excellent now it's probably not surprising to the general populace that it's excellent as probably 90% of PS4 owners have played it already but it's a surprise to me and I think the things that it does really well are it's it's right really jouncy bouncy silly daft in terms of the way that it handles and controls it's got that it doesn't really care 
about physics so much. It, they exist, but they're definitely its own take on what Earth's gravity is actually like. It's not bouncy like Halo, but it's, you know, it's definitely not realism. And they kind of play into that with letting you drive around a, a truck all the time and a four-wheel drive. And the way that navigates the landscape doesn't really align with reality, but it's fun. And there's a kind of a feeling of, yeah, we, we're kind of, we're not kind of worried about that. We're leaning into it now. And what it's done is as well is it's made the, the handholds when you're climbing less obvious and the ability to fall to your death a little bit more. Like they've amped that up a little bit more, which is good because it was like basically just press up when I played the first game. It was like you just have to press up and you're fine. And, you know, they've added in more climbing mechanics and swinging mechanics and stuff like that. And the story's excellent and really genuinely funny. And that's so rare. So I've been really surprised by it. And again, I probably shouldn't have been, but it's it's pleasant anyway. So what do you think of the writer? I've not played this one before. I've not played this one yet. I was going to, uh, but I got so uncharted out after playing four because that was so long. I was like, ah, I don't want to go straight into Lost Legacy now. So I was going to wait and then I had to sell my PS4 and I never got around to playing it. But I was intrigued because obviously you've got two uh, female lead characters. And I was interested to see how they, they handled them because I don't think they handled, oh, I can't remember what her name is, but uh, Nathan Drake's uh, wife in, 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 the, uh, in the Uncharted games as well as what they think they did. Um, she still essentially just became a competent damsel in distress for the most part. Um, so having, you know, there's Chloe and I forget what the other one's called as the, as the two leads here and they work together and they're not relying on Nathan Drake. It's, um, I, I'm interested to know sort of like how well that's handled or whether there's still a lot of oh, this is a bit cringe moments. There's not been anything cringe, which is great. No. Uh, they're, they're very... Uh, well, uh, for video games, they're exceptional. <laughs> but let's put it that way. So they're not objectified in any way, shape or form at all. Yeah. There's no kind of dodgy stuff that they say. The way that they react to... The men in the game isn't dodgy or more, <laughs> flipping it on its head, more like it's not dodgy the way that the men react to the women. Yeah. But at the same time, there's not really a female voice in there, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Now, there is right at the beginning, I'll spoil the beginning because it's literally the first few minutes and everyone has to play it. Uh, you're in a market as that Chloe character who is, yeah. you know, great representation, you know, she's uh, uh, Indian-Australian. Uh, heritage and she's in India and she interacts with a young girl like a little under 10s girl I'm not sure exactly how old she's supposed to be but pretty young and there are some real interactions there that are feminine interactions that a young child a young girl child would not feel comfortable necessarily reacting to a man you know and talking yeah. talking about with a man you know and uh, it does that in a very subtle way that isn't it isn't ex it isn't sexist it's a million miles away from misogynistic and it feels like you know it's authentically could be women's voices as far as i can say i'm a cis white man you know i'm no expert i can't speak from a woman's perspective 
But that seems good. But then once it gets into the game proper, I think the the a lot of the dialogue is pretty much interchangeable with if they were male characters. Yeah. So it's great that they're not objectified. It's great that women get a chance to talk about, you know, plunder and history and archaeology and have banter, you know, non-offensive banter and be funny and, you know, globe trot and all of those things that you associate with male adventurers. Uh, but at the same time, there's not much in there that marks them out as specifically being women. And you do have to have women writing women to feel that, I think. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, the, from the trailers and stuff, uh, I, I was looking at a guide. It looks like they're doing it right. But there was always little moments I saw on gameplay snippets. I saw. I just went, but not quite. And I think you you put it right when you said for video game characters, they've done a good job. If these were real people in a real situation or even in a film or something like that, you'd be, uh, looking at it, you'd probably question it a bit more in terms of how they were written. Yes, yes. That's right, you would. Yeah, and it is is difficult. Um, You know, you've got to be culturally sensitive and you, this is why it's so important to bring people in with those voices, you know? It's really important. I mentioned a long time ago when when we were talking about Edith Finch, that, yeah. you know, I used it as an example of how you couldn't just insert, like, black characters into there, for, for as an example, because there, there would be such a disconnect with not talking about how did black people in America end up with so much land and such a big house. You know, that conversation needs to be had, and that story would be really interesting to be told. But it wouldn't be the Edith Finch story, because that's entirely about white people who you accept automatically you're in that situation yeah. because they're white people and they've got that much money. Yeah, no, totally agree. And it, the way I, I look at it, and for anyone who's confused as to why you need representation at all levels, and this is what a lot of cis white people do not get when it comes to something. But if you look at the film Airplane, you don't want the two jive characters in there. You don't, you don't want the characters talking in jive and talking about fried chicken and, you know, it's quite racist in its overtones. It's not meant to be horrible, but, it's, you know, the joke's not on them, but it's still very racist in its overtones, the way they write those two characters. And they're only bit parts, I get it. But at the same time, this is where people get confused. You go, well, you don't want me to do that, so let's just make it so they talk like everyone else. No, you don't want to turn black people white. That's not what you need to do. They need to be black still. And the only people who could write black characters properly are black creatives because they are those people. It's the same reason why you need disabled people to write about disabled characters and LGBTQIA plus character, uh, people to, to, to write about those characters because they are those people. And, you know, yes, a story can, is made up, it can be made up, but you can't make up people in terms of what they are. So, again, that's why you need black people writing for black people or at least consulted in that way because you get it right and it's the same with women you want women to give you like go actually look you've written this bit at the very least guy this does not work a woman would not do this or most women would not do this what's your reasoning for this character acting like this because there could be a reason 
But you've got to understand that it's got to be written properly. You can't do that with a mostly male writing team or development team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, there's a lot of cultural sensitivity that has to go into it. But also, yeah, and that's really important. But also, you, when you start bringing in people from different cultures, backgrounds, ethnicities, you know, sexual orientations, you get new stories. And that's, surely that's what you want. You know, you don't want the same story being told over and over again. So, yeah, to bring it back to Uncharted, it's it's great uh, in that way, you know, that it doesn't exclude women. It How much it actually brings women into the, as women, into the conversation and narrative, uh, I'm not entirely sure. But, you know, small steps. Well, but you can see what's happening. They make an Uncharted game with two women. And look, there's not been another one with Nathan Drake in it since. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. It's the way it starts. <laughs> They've tanked it. Them bloody women tanked it. I told you they'd ruin my video games. Yeah. But yeah, no, yeah. obviously we're, we're kidding with that. But <laughs> yeah. And they put a black woman in there as well. I mean, that's just rubbing it in. Well, that's one thing that, yeah. I mean, to go back to the serious side again for a second. I really loved the fact that... You know the two the two leads were women, and that's going to automatically piss some people off. And they're women of color, and that was brilliant as well. And you cannot underestimate. I mean, yeah, I, I, the fact that they were, were you know female presenting, that's you know, and the way that they act in game isn't perfect. But that box art of just two people of color who are the heroes, yeah, that is absolutely phenomenal. It almost never happens. Uh yeah, really no. good. But anyway, moving on. I've also been playing... I've got what the game's called now. Let me bring up my notes. Um, and there's a reason why I've almost forgot what it is. I've been playing a game called Mecha Jammer, which is a sci-fi tactical RPG turn-based squad dingy. Yeah. I thought, because I've played a couple of them of late, and I've been, do you know what? These are okay. So got a chance to review this. I was like, okay, let's let's give this a go. Turn-based RPG. I can play it slowly. It's quite dark, which is good for me because it means it's not straight on my eyes and, and stuff like that. And, oh, I don't know is all I can really say. It's, it's not bad. It's just not bad. <laughs> it's about all... It's, it's unremarkable in so many ways. But, it, you know, it ticks all the boxes. It's open world and a really good open world with some cyberpunk elements to it. I think the squad recruit, recruiting works quite well. It's not overwhelming. It's got choices and consequences in it. But I think all the little bits it's got, so, like, you do make decisions. It does have an effect. But all the bits it's got has been done better by other games. So the the choices things and like the like the interaction for the story. I've recently played Disco Elysium. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I know you can't all be Disco Elysium, but coming off the back of Disco Elysium, this felt like my first story mode compared to that. The the combat turn base, it's just fine, but other games have done it just so much better. And I just, I just, honestly, I don't know what's wrong with it. Like I, can't, I tried to put my finger on it and I can't. It's just, it just didn't sit with me. It does, it's competent as well. Yeah. It, it, it's, you know, it's not bug I wish I could find something where I could turn around and say, it's bad because of this. It's not, it's just not good either. 
I was just, I don't know what to say. It's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I know it's because you don't like being negative or critical about stuff, but you know. But there's nothing to be negative about. I think yeah. it's just that I've played other games in each genre that this could do that are better. Yeah. I think if I'd have played this first off, I'd have loved it. But it's 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 not a bad game. There's nothing negative to say. It's just not as good as everything else that I've played in the run around. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, John? It'd be great to see like a breakdown of, of how these things came about and what particularly stopped it being a good game or yeah, you know, a great game, like getting above average. Because I'm always fascinated. Somebody must have had a really good idea, you know, thought all oh, that core core gameplay elements really good the way that i want the visuals to look is going to really marry well with it um and whether they never achieved what they wanted to do or whether they they did but then they realized that didn't work and knocked some of the edges off it and it brought it down to something that was a bit more sort of mediocre it's always fascinating to know what happened in that process yeah oh yeah yeah i don't know what it is i mean one thing it has got actually, and I, I will, I, I want to make sure this gets um, gets like recognised. It's got a hell of a soundtrack, and um, that does stand out. The yeah. soundtrack is amazing in this. Um, it's kind of like this um, synthwave retro thing going on. Cool, very eighties like, and it's just oh, it's yeah, they've got that spot on, and just, yeah, it's. It's not even a case of not wanting to be mean. I'm, I'm, I'm going to change. If a game deserves it, it deserves it. But this deserves just kind of... Doesn't deserve praise, but it doesn't deserve a beating either. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I get it completely. Yeah. <laughs> it's a... I mean, it is the definition of a 5 out of 10 game if you was going to do scoring. A proper... Just... It's just... Yeah. Just nothing. I've got no opinion of it, and I feel bad for saying that. So what format was this on? On PC on Steam, right? Is I it, think that's the only thing it's on. It came, it came out at the back end of last year. Yeah, is it one of those that might suit better on your handheld format? No, 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 not at all. It's um, PC. It should be PC and PC only. It's very. You really need fine mouse controls on it. As I say, it's turn based. Uh, it's not quite a CRPG. Uh, but there's almost that element to it as well. You know, I, I I can't imagine playing like Wasteland on a Switch or anything like that. Yeah, so it's kind yeah. of around like, yeah, imagine trying to play Wasteland on a Switch. It doesn't work. This is, yeah, but this is going to be a PC only game. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you did your best. You played it. That's all you can do. Yes. You know, but yeah, that's it. But that's that's it from games for me. Um, I've I've been fiddling with stuff, but that's all to do with a later podcast. Uh, I've been fiddling with retro and pinball and, and things like that. We'll talk about that another time. So I don't know if you've got anything else. No, no, that's all I've been playing. Excellent. So, moving on, chat a little bit about. Um, the holidays, I suppose, really. And what a weird holiday season it's been. It just, it doesn't, it didn't feel like Christmas, a new year in one way. Probably less so for me than probably a lot of people last year. There was just, it's kind of like just got on with it and then it ended. 
I, 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 I know some people struggle with their mental health over over the holiday period. Uh, this is probably like the first year where I've not had a massive up or down mentally. Um, I just I just kind of like sailed through the holiday period, and it just felt really really odd to do that. How was yours in terms of like mentally getting through the period? Uh, it was okay. It's very strange at the moment. So I kind of really enjoyed Christmas, like particularly you know the day, the few days over Christmas itself. So, you know, my birthday, then Christmas Day, then Boxing Day, and, and a couple after that. But probably because, you know, everything's so, you know, generally not great. <laughs> so I've not got a job at the moment. There's COVID, there's Brexit, you know, all of that stuff combined. It, it was it was a bit of an escape, really, and I enjoyed that escape. And yeah. I enjoyed you know, getting stuff for people and I enjoyed the presents that I got and I could just totally forget about all the rubbish. But, you know, that was at the expense of reality, really. That was literally just treating Christmas, you know, as you kind of did as a kid, as a complete escape from realism, you know, from from reality. So I sort of had it as a bit of a refuge from the real world. But if I'd engaged with the real world or how I've been forced to, like going to work or going to, you know, visit family or whatever, I think it would have been a different story altogether. Yeah, I mean, what was what was really good, actually, over on a couple of the days, me and the family, we, we, we dug out some retro games. We played sort of like some GameCube stuff, some N64 stuff. We played some like Dr. Mario um, and had sort of like fam- little family competitions and stuff like that. And that was so good i think the fact that you couldn't really go anywhere and do anything meant that we could do that and we you know sat around in pajamas all day and just like just you know we don't even do a roast dinner we used to go to a chinese but that's out at the moment so we just put buffet bits out throughout the day on the table and just helped ourselves and, and that was really nice but as i said it, it was just really weird it kind of like oh christmas is in the next couple of days okay that was all really fun Oh, New Year's in a couple of days. Do what we're going to do for that. And then just back to it. It was it was almost like I wasn't there, but I was more than probably other years. Whereas other years, I've just gone, uh, it's the holiday period. And I, I would just turn off. I would just switch off mentally completely because I hate it. And I hate, you know, the, the pressure that comes with it and everything about it. But it's, yeah, it's just kind of really much kind of like sailed through it this year and then i had a i had some time like guilt because i didn't have any sort of like positive or negative thoughts about it i kind of like started feeling really guilty and it's like i just yeah i I really holidays do mess with your head in one way or another yeah i think they do for everybody one way or another and even if you have a, a, a good experience i think it's you know, it's it's often like the one that I had, which is yeah, at the expense of reality, really. It's just pretending that you're not in the normal course of life and that these things are happening. And, you know, I think it's different for people who are <clears throat> more religious, you know, uh, people who have different faiths as well. Uh, you know, it's more tied to their traditions and things like that. But you know, in UK society, in a secular society, it's much more kind of like you you build the Christmas that's for you, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And I I find the best thing for me is to not have too many traditions, or if I do have traditions, 
then I'm always willing to just you know throw them aside. I don't feel like I have to follow a, a particular pattern to do it, you know. Um, so I did like, for example, put up a tree, but I didn't do it till yep. like the twenty second or twenty third. <laughs> you say like the twenty sixth? Yeah, uh. <laughs> that would have been a little bit taking the Mickey, but yep. um, yeah. So there was that, you know, that that went up, but it was very late, and people would be like, "Oh, well, you know, why are you doing so?" And then it took it down really, really late, you know. Only took it down like last weekend, and it's like, don't care, you know, just want to do my own thing, just want to kind of, you know, have my own little fantasy of what Christmas is. So, yeah, that worked for me. And it's it's uh, it's, it's really weird now. I said no, I I. I think I'd appreciate Christmas more if we just done away with the pretense now and just went, look, Christmas is about presents and yeah, just time with family. Because I think if you used to ask most people under, say, say 16 now, I'd go, like, do a family fortune style thing and go, like, name, name something that's to do with Christmas. I think you'd get Elf on a Shelf higher than Jesus. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. So, do you know what? Let's let's just stop all pretense. Oh yeah, you know right. it's yeah. Let's celebrate his Lord and Savior Elf on the Shelf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think you know it's it's got all that backbone in you know pagan stuff. Um, yeah. So the tree, the lights, making everything as bright as you can, giving presents to cheer people up. It's all you know Northern European getting over the fact that we're living in almost complete blackness for a couple of months, you know. Yeah. And that core of it, I think, is the stuff that it's, it's easiest to unify with people, you know, with Diwali and all of that at the same time. And, you know, Festival of Lights, just having everything that's kind of, yeah, everything's really dark, everything's really cold, so we're going to just flip it on its head, have everything really manufactured to be really bright and to be full of gifts even though that like the soil isn't giving us any gifts at this time of year and yeah, yeah just just hammer that realize that we're not in a in a religious society anymore uh you know that we're not in a christian society as a country and just yeah just say yeah do what you want it's uh it's a secular holiday have fun yeah Diwali's really cool though we should do more about Diwali that, yeah, that should, it is that, cool. That, yeah. that should be. Let's celebrate the hell out of that because that is just like you kind of. I still look at that from the outside and go, "Ah, oh, I wish I was part of that because that yeah, looks fun." It does. Look at all the colours. Yeah, it's lovely. It's not bleak. There's nothing bleak about it. It's like look at all the colours. Yeah, yeah. I really like that. I really like you know. We're, in northern europe but particularly in the uk we're pretty austere and we don't really tend to have like parades very often and you know we don't have a lot of like fake lights and all that kind of glitz but we do it at christmas and all that stuff is up and then in my town uh there is a a diwali celebration as well and so you've got all the christmas lights and then you've got a huge influx of people bringing another bunch of lights and it's just like yeah this is the way it should be definitely nice we've got black the lights the illuminations at blackpool and I'm sure they're off on Christmas, which is weird. Well, that is odd. The Christmas lights. I don't know. It's, yeah, Blackpool's, Blackpool's a weird one, but we, we, when we were still up north, we used to go and uh, look at those. That that was always nice as well. It is, yeah. So it's, it's kind of weird. I think I like Christmas. That's Yeah, that's a big change for you because it's only recent, isn't it? I don't know. I just feel like when I look at certain stuff, I used to like going to see the lights at Blackpool and stuff like that. Because it's probably, maybe because it's just shiny things. Like, oh. Shiny things are always good. Um, and I like turkey. Yeah. And, and and stuff like that. You know, don't get me wrong. And I like getting presents. 
I don't know. See, but then I get this point to see, this is the issue I have. Because I put on this, let's call it what it is, this mask to protect myself mentally. And I kind of go, oh, I don't like these things because if you show that you like these things, people want to make a fuss. I kind of like, then kind of had to sort of like live that life in terms of, oh, don't make a fuss, don't make a fuss, don't like it, don't like it, don't like it. That you then feel awkward where you go, actually, I do. Yeah. I, I don't mind it at all when I actually look at it in the wider picture. And it's very hard to take off that mask at that time of year when everyone goes, oh, it's December, Brad's going to be miserable. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's really weird the amount of, like, because I think we all do. We all wear masks um, to try and disguise how we really feel about stuff. Um, and I really think, honestly, we should just normalise that it's okay to change your mind and be honest about whatever time of year it is and how you're feeling at that point, even if it's different to how you usually are. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I completely agree. You need to just recognise that people feel different things at different times. You know, whether they're neurotypical or neurodivergent, doesn't make any difference. People feel differently at different times. And yeah, you should be, like you say, normalised. And if you feel crappy on Christmas, then yeah, you should be able to say it without being criticised by your nearest and dearest. Yeah, and if my mum's listening or anything like that, that does not mean I want you to bring me a surprise cake <laughs> on my birthday. You ever do that, I will walk out in a strop. Yeah. Uh, that has, that has, so, to give you a point on this, so um, I've been with Lo a couple, a few months, and my, it was my first birthday with her. Um, not my first birthday, because obviously that would make all in prison about now. <laughs> um but it was like like my first birthday we'd been together and um, we went out to a restaurant in Liverpool and Lo wanted to organise getting me a cake to be brought out and stuff like that and she had to be told that just don't do it <laughs> just don't don't do it yeah. it'll be fun it'll be fun just like people go no my family will go just don't don't do it because I, I maintain anyone does anything like that probably I cannot do that I can't do the whole in the middle of a restaurant, it's your birthday sparklers and everyone's seeing you. Know, oh, that, I hate that. Yeah. I just said, like, I said, like, I would walk out. I don't care. I would walk out. I don't care how it makes me look. I just could not deal with that. It's a weird thing. I could do with most oh. things, but I can't. Birthday I, celebrations. I don't think that's weird. No, I don't think that's weird at all. I think that there's been, you know, there's a group of people who really like that level of attention and they've kind of gone, oh, well, if we like it, then everyone must like it. Yes. Like, no. <laughs> no, I'd rather, you know, I'd, I'd rather just crawl into a little pit and die. Thank you very much. But, yeah. So, no, you're not weird at all. I mean, again, it's one of the reasons I couldn't get married. You have to go and do your first dance. I'm like, not doing that. Not doing that. I'm having the first dance in front of everyone. Be, eh? Yeah, yeah. No, it's just, it's not for everybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm going to look like I'm going to look like a cock of a father of the bride if Edith ever gets married. <laughs> oh, are you going to do a daddy daughter? No, I'm not doing a daddy daughter dance. Screw that. Well, as we know, she'll be in prison, so you know she might be able to have a prison ceremony, but you know that'll be it. Yeah, I'll throw the glass and everything. Yeah, yeah, won't be very public. Well, it depends. She might be famous. No, <laughs> well, that's true. Because what was it? it was like Peter Sutcliffe, not Peter Sutcliffe, but one of the serial killers got married after spending thirty years in prison. That that was well known for a bit. High hopes, high hopes. High hopes, yeah. Yeah, we really uh, invested in her future, yeah. Yes. Well, you know, we pay into the prison system and everything, so, you know. Yeah, we're quite literally invested in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I stay out of prison to make sure she's got a space. Yep, 
Good on you. <laughs> just, I don't know where this is going. I think this is a good time for me to shut up. <laughs> yeah, fair play. Yeah, so that'll do it for this week. And, oh, yeah, we talked about, obviously, the holidays and their impact on people. And, you know, please do reach out to us. Reach out either on Twitter or, you know, more likely on Discord so that you can get involved in the conversation and talk to people about anything you want, but also about mental health if you want to. We've got lots of good plans for the podcast this year. We're going to have, hopefully, more guests, and we're going to have, as Brad already mentioned, putting some of these reviews up on YouTube and stuff. So, yeah, some good and big plans coming up. So, in the meantime, before all of that starts appearing, as usual, stay safe and stay sane.